This is Winning with ADHD, a podcast for parents to empower students. Build up your ADHD teens so that they recognize their own talents, creativity, and uniqueness. Get tips and tricks to help overcome executive functioning challenges. Listen to stories and experiences of what worked and what did not. Together, let's find ways to build your child's self-esteem and start winning with ADHD. And now, here's your host, Heather Walker. Hey there, and welcome to the July's podcast for winning with ADHD. I'm Heather Walker, and I would love to talk with you today about the topic of why does my ADHD get out of everything? And this is a question that I have asked myself in my own mind multiple times. I've asked it to my husband. I've asked it to our doctors. And I wanted to start out with sharing an experience that I had when our daughter Emily was about three years old. At this time, we were just starting with going to some different doctors. We had already taken a love and logic parenting class and we're really just really, really struggling to figure out how to handle the intense behaviors of our three-year-old. She was busy. She was aggressive. She was nonstop. Um, she wasn't taking naps anymore. Like uh, Things were just really, really hard for us at that time. As both new parents um, or newer parents and in trying to learn about what ADHD was and how that showed up, Emily also had some other comorbidities that came along with her diagnosis as well. And so I want to share this experience when she was three. So like I said, we had just started seeing some different doctors. We had a therapist um, and he had recommended some certain ways to handle situations for us. And I actually don't remember what his exact direction was, but what I do remember is that I was cleaning the kitchen and Emily was having cereal at the kitchen table and she chose to dump it out all over the floor. It was everywhere underneath the kitchen table and I just wasn't in the mood for it, right? Like, I don't know if I was trying to get somewhere or if I was just trying to get the house clean and I wanted to feel that reward for myself, but I wanted her to pick it up. And I remember trying to do what the doctor had suggested and it didn't work. And I felt completely lost at that point. I was like, well, what do I do now? I said the words that he said to say, and she still didn't do it. I still have cereal all over the floor. And why does she get out of everything? And it was a pretty hard moment and clearly one that I remember still 15 years later. So I wanted to talk through a few things that I've learned since then um, that have helped me to be able to navigate situations a little bit better when I have an expectation of my child and they do not want to cooperate with what my expectations are, whether they be justified expectations or my own internal ones. And so I wanted to walk through a couple of acronyms and talk through some of the key pieces that I've learned over the over the years. The first one is an acronym of threat. Now this one is to be used to determine what is the environment that we're in right now? What how is your child showing up in that environment at the moment? So a lot of times doctors will say, are they tired? Are they hungry? Um, uh, 
all of those types of things of like for a toddler, which is totally applicable to the three-year-old story that I have. But I would even bet to say that it is 100% applicable to our teenagers and even to us as adults, because if we are tired, so T for tired under threat, and if we are hungry under H, then we aren't going to respond as our best self. And we're going to maybe be a little bit more snappy, or maybe we're going to say no, or maybe say something maybe not as nice, right? And so taking stock of the environment that is happening at the moment and what is your child or the person that you're working with current emotional state of or physical state. So I'm tired. I didn't sleep well or I didn't get a nap. I've transitioned out of naps or I'm a teenager and I stayed up too late or I'm an adult and I binge watch something that I should have turned off hours before. Um, If I'm hungry, if you know that they haven't had lunch yet and it's one o'clock, maybe making sure that they've got some really good food or maybe offering and saying, hey, can I get you a snack? Um, Those types of things can really help with their ability to handle the situations that are coming at them. The next one is R and threat, and that's rejecting rewards. And this one's kind of interesting because if you offer or ask them to do something and they kind of snap back and you offer a reward or you are energetic and looking for ways to be able to help get them to come along with uh, completing a task or a chore and they are just not having it at all, that's another indicator to you that this might not be a great time to kind of push some buttons. The next one is E for emotional. If they are really whiny, um, you can see that in little kids when they're getting tired, but shows up a little bit different in teenagers. Usually it's they're snarky or um, maybe they don't talk at all, or you can just look at their face and see that um, the emotional state that they are in. The next one is A for agitated. Now this one, um, again, your toddlers and your teenagers can look a little bit different, but If your toddler just seems to be, you know, they drop one of their blocks and they completely lose it, right? Um, And they stomp their foot. That means that they're kind of have a frustrating day and or a moment and things aren't going the way that they think it should. Um, Teenagers are the same way of, you know, maybe their friend said something that hurt their feelings and they're kind of snappy again. Um, Just taking note of that, of how they're responding to just the teeny little things that go wrong. And if their response is really uh, large in comparison to the little thing that happened, that is also a good indicator. And then the last one for T is transition time. And so our ADHD brains tend to struggle with quickly shifting from one thing to another. And we need to be mindful of that. It's also really good for us to know and for our kids when they're in school and helping their teachers to be able to help prepare them to move on to the next thing. So if you're asking them to move from playtime, that's really fun and rewarding to eat or take a nap or um, go clean up their room you're already asking them to go from something that is more enjoyable to something that's less enjoyable, which is going to extend that transition time. But even if it's just 
I need you to move from the couch to the chair. That requires a lot of work sometimes in, in the ADHD brain to be able to take all of those steps, especially if you have some comorbidities like depression added on top of it. And so taking into account the transition time and looking to see how are they transitioning from one task to the other, or even just being mindful that switching from something maybe more fun to less fun might take a little bit longer. And so managing that environment and our expectations around it. So to go back over that again real quick, it's threat, which is identifying you the environment that you're in. T is for tired. H is for hungry. R is for rejecting rewards. E is for emotional. A is for agitated. And T is for transition time. So by taking note of those different types of pieces in your ADHD, you can help determine how you want to show up in that situation. Okay, so for example, with the three-year-old Emily dumping everything off on the floor, I'm just going to walk through a couple of scenarios that could have been the case. So from Emily's perspective, it could have been that she wanted to know what happened when she knocked all of her cereal on the floor and what would happen. And Emily is very scientific as an older person now that we can see that. And it's very possible her cute little brain was like, I wonder what happens. Do they bounce? Do they roll everywhere? Do they all just fall into a clump, could have been a very, very curious moment for her, or it could have just been, seemed like something fun to do. It could have been that maybe she accidentally knocked one off and thought it'd be cool to knock the rest of them off. Who knows? But if I remember correctly, I think I remember her having fun and I was annoyed with it, right? So now stepping into my experience as her mom and her parent of, I was annoyed. I was cleaning the kitchen. I was in a mode of let's get things picked up so that we can go do other things. And I was probably irritated that she had dumped them all over the floor. And so one of the biggest lessons that I've learned over the years is to, now I've learned it, doesn't mean that I always apply it, but when I do apply it, it actually usually works out better for us. But I've learned that evaluating why I'm responding the way that I am, maybe even applying that threat acronym to my emotional well-being and how I'm showing up at the moment. Am I stressed about something? Do we, or am I in a hurry because I got up late? Do we need to go somewhere, right? Um, so in this case, with the cereal all over the floor and getting her to help pick that up or clean it up, there's a couple of different ways that I could have gone about it. I went through the route of, I said the words that the doctor suggested and how he suggested we handle it. I remember it not working and then just being completely lost on what to do next. So here are some ideas on how to handle that. I want to use the acronym of SHARE. So the first word, the letter in SHARE is S for schedule. So if you have reoccurring chores or tasks that they need to do, those with ADHD respond well to routine. They won't admit that, they will actually fight against it, but it is incredibly helpful to them because when we establish a routine, as somebody who has ADHD or doesn't have ADHD, it allows our brain to go into like cruise control and we just complete the tasks. 
So if you think about like your morning routine, um, you get up, go to the bathroom, you brush your teeth, you wash your face, um, those types of things that you do, you probably don't have to think about them. You just get up and do them because you've created that routine. And so the more consistent of a schedule that we can create in when we do chores and what chores we're doing, if possible, um, then it creates that routine that makes it to where they expect it. And then they're not caught off guard by it, right? Like I get up, I do this. I know that this is what happens. So creating a schedule can be really helpful. If you have, I would say younger kids, but honestly, anybody could benefit from a more visual representation. Maybe the visual representation changes from say toddler to teenager, but having a visual representation or a checklist to remind them of what they need to do can be incredibly helpful. So you could have images of somebody brushing their teeth or um, petting or um, taking the dog for a, a walk or brushing the cat or taking out the trash. And then as a teenager, you could maybe make it, you know, maybe uh, just text or something like that, or maybe different types of icons that go along with it to represent those images of what they're doing. The next one in share is the letter H for help. Now, this one um, can sometimes be frustrating as a parent. You're thinking, well, I shouldn't have to help them do everything. You're right. We probably shouldn't have to. There's lots of things that we all do that we feel that maybe we shouldn't have to. I would highly recommend um, thinking about those thoughts if you have them and seeing what happens when you remove them and give it a try of giving them help. Now, what does help mean? Help could is a is a whole range of things that it can be. So it could be from, hey, Emily, it looks like you dropped all of your cereal on the floor. Let me help you. Let's get that picked up. And I could get on the floor with her and we could start picking them up. We could maybe make it a little bit of a game and we could start counting. Um, we could do lots of different things with that. As an older child, you could help them by getting them started and say, let's work on cleaning your room. What's the first thing that we could do? And if they're overwhelmed by cleaning their room, say, well, what if we start by picking up the trash and you get the trash can and you say, can you get all of the trash right here? And then maybe we say the next step would be let's pick up all of our dirty clothes and let's go put them in the bin and you could get the hamper and they could dump all the dirty clothes in there. And so you're helping them, but they're the one that is doing the work to get the chore accomplished. And you're also helping them to learn the skills that their brains are lacking and being able to have um, the skill set to break down tasks. And to be able to execute on them um, with their executive functioning, um, just running a little bit differently than those who don't have ADHD. The next letter in SHARE is A, and that stands for appropriate. Now, this is actually a two-prong answer. Clearly, we've got like age appropriate, but we have to remember that those with ADHD from a maturity level tend to run two to three years behind in age appropriate uh, or in maturity type levels. And so you want to evaluate where does your child sit on their on how they show up in both development and in maturity. 
And so you can determine what is something that is good for them to do that they will be safe, but that is also something that they can be successful in completing um, potentially on their own. And so you could have some responsibilities that they are ready to take care of on their own, some responsibilities that you know that they need to continue to learn and develop skill sets around, and you can help them with more closely. Um, and that's one way that for um, appropriate. The other way is, is it the appropriate time or the appropriate task for that time? So the way that we currently show up and our our emotional well-being as to how we are at that moment can be really predictive as to whether we will be successful in a chore or task or not. So when I'm asking you to think about appropriate in this sense, it's if I run through the threat acronym and I determine that there may be a little bit um, kind of teetering on being able to hold themselves together, I might not want to choose that time for them to go take out the trash. It could maybe wait, or maybe I could take out the trash, put it beside the counter and put a new bag in and ask them to take it out later. Um, maybe I could just take the trash out for them this time and have them replace it with a different chore. And so I think that this is um, just about having a little bit of um, compassion for the person and, and how they're handling their emotions and um, the things that are happening around them in the moment, but also in the sense of choosing your battles, right? So you've heard that phrase, everybody has said it since I can remember of picking your battles as to what you want to focus on or what do you wanna fight about, right? And so if you already know that they're struggling, do we really wanna fight about taking up the trash? And so it's possible that you are in a phase where you want to fight too. And maybe you decide that that's something you want to fight about right now. Or maybe you say, you know what, it's not worth it. We're going to choose something else for right now and or let this pass for a minute. Another thing to look at for appropriateness is if they are struggling with the reoccurring or mundane type task, which is not uncommon for those with ADHD brains find the things that are less mundane for them. An example that I have is that I hate cleaning out the toaster oven or cleaning out the refrigerator or um, the vacuum cleaner or things like that. But Emily like eats that up and she will sit there and she will meticulously clean it and it will be absolutely perfect. And it's something that I could care less about doing. I would much rather just vacuum and sweep and wipe off the counters. And she just loves doing those types of things. So taking the strengths and weaknesses that each of us have and utilizing it to um, our benefit in a household of completing chores that we need to. Now, I could hear a lot of people maybe say, but they need to learn to vacuum and they need to learn to fold the laundry and do the dishes and all of those types of things. And you're completely right. But typically, we tend to uh, split up responsibilities as a whole in um, when we're working, like at, at a business or in a family, of what we tend to do best or enjoy the most. So... For example, I really don't like doing dishes, but my husband really doesn't like doing laundry. So he is the primary responsibility holder of the dishes in our household, and I am the primary responsibility holder of completing the laundry in our household. And that doesn't mean that our kids don't help with some of those pieces. It just means that we oversee that function within our house, and it's based off of 
what he would prefer to work on from a chore and what I would prefer to work on. But as a team, we're working together. The next letter in share is R, and that is rewards. And so, or finding rewarding type um, activities. So for example, cleaning the toaster oven is almost a reward in and of itself for Emily to complete if I choose the right and appropriate time. Um, but also finding things that she enjoys to be a reward for what she's doing. And so sometimes that can be an internally driven reward of I know that when I get this done, I get free time and I get to go play with my friends. Um, that's something that is a a skill and knowledge base that is learned as they get older. But when they're younger, maybe you say, hey, as soon as we get this done, we get to watch the show or play this game um, or go to the park, those types of things. And so utilizing that um, reward system to be able to help them accomplish the task that you're looking for. And then the last one is E for expectations. I think one of the things that um, we as people in general struggle with is proper communication and clearly outlining what our expectations are. And so sometimes we will ask our kids to do something, especially as they get a little bit older into like their school years, we would say, I would like for you to put your laundry away and they will take it and they will shove it under the bed. And in theory, that could be put away. So we need to outline what our expectations are. I expect that you are going to fold them and that they're going to be in the appropriate chore. Oh, you don't know how to do that or you don't remember. Let me help you and let me show you. Right. But setting those expectations as to what you are looking for from them. And then also being mindful of what expectations you can hold them accountable to. So for example, I shared uh, an idea around taking out the trash. So maybe you knew that that, uh, that exact moment wasn't going to be a great time for them to take out the trash, but your expectation is, is that they will still take out the trash. So maybe they take it out an hour later or something like that. And so holding them to those expectations creates the accountability and that to where they are not getting out of doing everything. Now, there are definitely, uh, there's definitely a whole wide range or spectrum of different ways that you could look at this or how this could fit into your family or with your situation. And I believe that each of the people in our household contribute in different ways. And it may not always be that everybody contributes in the same way. So um, maybe that means that in our house, for example, Emily mows more because she doesn't mind mowing the yard, but maybe she does the dishes less because she really struggles and does not like doing the dishes. So maybe you can find a balance that it's maybe it's not even in that everybody does dishes one day a week or everybody helps mow the yard, but maybe it's that certain individuals hold certain responsibilities and that if you're concerned about making sure that they know how to do all the different pieces, you could maybe rotate out and, you know, twice a month, Emily does the dishes and Nora and Maddie would mow the yard in our house, for example. So there's lots of ways that we can look at it. So let's see here. So just to recap, I wanted to talk about having um, our ADHDers be held accountable for chores and tasks within the household and not getting out of everything. Um, a lot of times when Emily was younger or even not too far ago, um, her behavior and her response to requests 
would cause like a meltdown. And then um, we would get almost run down as parents, especially when she was younger and just say, it's just not worth it. Therefore, we're not going to make her do anything. And really that's not what we want. We want her to be held accountable. We want her to learn and grow and help her to work through those emotions and feelings, um, which is what her behaviors are showing is that she's having a hard time. Um, Ross Green talks about that in his book is that they are having a hard time in managing what is coming into them, whether it be words or um, sounds and sensory types of things or the requests that are being asked because they don't know how to process them or how to execute upon what's being asked of them. And so if we remember that and we put ourselves in that situation, I know that that story with the cereal was completely accurate for myself. I didn't know how to respond to the situation. And so I responded in an agitated way. And so being able to apply those same types of concepts to ourselves to evaluate, am I in this threat zone? And what do I need to do to make sure that I show up as my best self as a parent to help them show up as their best selves? Um, And being our best self doesn't necessarily mean that we're not ever agitated or emotional, but being able to recognize those feelings and those behaviors and being able to know when we need to step away or take a break, or um, maybe we just don't do that right now, for example. So I hope you guys are having a great summer and enjoying all of the fun activities that comes with the warmer weather. And um, hopefully these two acronyms of threat and share help you to be able to navigate uh, being a parent of someone with ADHD. Winning with ADHD is brought to you by Disrupt ADHD. Head on to disruptadhd.com slash learn more.